It's no secret the NFL has a problem with race. Think Colin Kaepernick. Think Brian Flores. But this isn't a new problem. It's one that started as far back as the 1930s, with a ban on Black players in the NFL, with a past that informs the present. Blackballed is a new miniseries podcast from The Ringer about the four men who broke the color barrier in football. I'm your host, Chelsea Stark-Jones. Blackballed is dropping soon on The Ringer NFL feed. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. I need sports to have to clear the room. Stand up and walk. Now. Hello and welcome to The Watch. My name is Chris Ryan. I am an editor at TheRinger.com and joining me in the studio, he's my Janet Yellen, my backstop. It's Andy Greenwald! <laughs> Do you feel that you're properly insured on this podcast? I, I am only up to a certain point, right? And then after that, I'm flying without a net. That's like with me. Like, I will watch two television shows per week. You are insured up to that number. <laughs> Past that, you're just going to have to do the solo FDAG, pods. The FDAG, you know, you, know yeah. you got me for 80 total minutes. Yes. How you want to divide that up. You want to do Party Down, uh, Abbott, yeah. and another sitcom, however we want uh, to do it. Unfortunately, all of the Oscars were watched. So that took so up no all television. No, no other television. No, no. we're going to be talking about The Last of Us uh, season finale predominantly today, but we do have some Oscar takes to yeah. get off. Uh, Andy, you have a chill weekend? Did you move some money around? So here's the thing. I feel like our listeners need to know this. I did have a chill weekend, spent spent time with my family, enjoyed the rain here in yeah. Los Angeles, the premier city in the Pacific Northwest. And the only kind of hiccups from my weekend were just sort of an, an intermittent but steady stream of text messages from my guy. There was one text. Chris watches industry once, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't just one text. There was a text on... I've be- seen margin call like a lot. It began on Friday with a text saying, "Where? Well, uh, what bank do you use? <laughs> no, I was asking that for completely separate reasons. And I thought you were just like, oh, maybe my guy wants uh, to switch it up and I'm not going to name my, my banking institution yeah. of choice, you know, just out of respect for the listeners. But like... What does that mean? I don't know. I just want to make it sound <laughs> Because you have like, it's, fir- it's first national of Macau. Like it, what? I do a lot. I, I spent a lot of time in the Cayman Islands. You know, I, yeah. I I maintain a condo you guys, there, you like the laundromat, like Gene Hackman <laughs> yeah. in uh, in the firm. So I was like, "Boy, Chris just wants some some consumer advice." And then I later I looked at the, the newspaper and I said, "Oh, I see, I see a bank has ceased to exist." Yeah, 
And then throughout the weekend, you were like, how are you feeling? How are you feeling I was about just, things? Well, because Saturday was kind of dicey. Saturday was a touch and go. For, you know, because it's contagion. Just listen to his voice. Listen, his voice just went up two octaves. This is weird. We don't know. Some of our listeners might have been at, at Silicon Valley Bank. Like, like visiting it? N- yeah. They might have been hanging out outside being like, no bailouts. No, I, I am not trying to make fun of financial peril. I just said this was a, a side of you. Yeah, that you didn't know Because know when the novel coronavirus was sweeping the globe, Cool as a cucumber. Me? CR. Yeah. I'm fine about like we I, I look I, I think I'm diversified. I think I have assets <laughs> in a lot of different uh hot zones and I'll be okay. Yeah. I was just like I think I'm because I'm reading East of Eden, you know, and I'm in that yeah. Steinbeck zone. I just watched Grapes of Wrath. Wow. Just like the so depression era. Is and on watching your mind. Last of Us. I'm just like, you know, I'm just keeping my my peepers peeled for for all the, that. The stuff. one moment I got nervous this weekend is because sometimes you just have like text chains with people who quote unquote know stuff uh-huh. and like you got some guys who watch the betting markets around election night oh yeah I do that a lot you, you're, you're, yeah. <laughs> you're always like all the all the sharps are in on a divided yeah. house yeah you know, the odds whatever. just crashed for Hillary I think I sent that text yeah you did yeah that was a great night too so, right after like like the su- suburbs of Miami like came in yeah you and Haralabob right like, well, you no guys... I was basing it off of Haralabob I also didn't bet I was just like fuck so, Trump Trump's the president so you so... I accepted that result <laughs> you know because <laughs> that's how democracy works sure how are you so are you feeling okay can we should we podcast yeah today? let's do it I'm fine I'm liquid yeah I should note that did Chris did enter the studio with six laundry bags that were jingling <laughs> you think I'm going to a coin store I do <laughs> I think you you switched to the gold. You standard. also make it sound like I'm Santa Claus. Yeah, you're very merry. Uh, Andy, the Oscars were last night. Should we and, do Oscars first or Last of Us? What? Uh, well, we can, I don't have a ton to say about the Oscars. So I mean, oh. it's up to you. I mean, we can do whichever one you okay. want. You want to do Last of Us first? No, you 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 were going to talk Oscars. Let's let's. We are not uh, the first responders in no. the case of Last of Us, but we will be the. No, Sean and Amanda did a great job uh, recapping pretty much everything and also getting into. For the last historical, of us? no. For, for the <laughs> we're not first responders for any of this. No, no. I mean, we're definitely not. Yeah. But we are. We are like, like you know, we come in after after all the money is gone, and we say, uh, no. So I thought maybe we could do Oscars just because. Sure, let's do it. Um, when it's a sweep like this, which mm-hmm. it almost was, and certainly with uh, all the major acting categories that everything everywhere all at once mm-hmm. put itself up for, it won. Right, so all the um, all the you know for actress, supporting actress, supporting actor, one best original screenplay, best director, and best picture. Yep, and I'm sure I'm forgetting something that it all. I think editing also. It won editing. Yeah, it, it did not win song. I think it's the only one that it did. It didn't win song or cinematography, which went to uh, all quiet, all quiet on the Western Front, which was the other big winner of the night, if there was one. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it's a sweep, it just becomes a referendum on one movie, really. You know, like mm-hmm. uh, and so. I would describe myself as uh, agnostic of of everything, everywhere, all at once. It didn't really, like, I don't think I was as super as entertained as a lot of people were. I, I definitely was moved at times by it. And mm-hmm. I think that it's, like, a pretty big achievement on the budget that it was made for, at the studio it was made for. Um, and it, it it's, like, a cool, it'll be a cool historical marker for as as have like a several recent Academy Awards mm-hmm. for the direction that the movie industry is going, I liked Top Gun, Tar, and Banshees more. Like mm-hmm. those movies, like resonated more with me. But that doesn't, you know, I think one of the problems when you have uh, like a sort of 
a, a singular sort of destroyer at the at the Academy Awards is it kind of sucks the like anticipation or um, kind of like the the sort of ooh like what could happen you know like you lose that a little bit you miss that kind of November eighth twenty sixteen frisson right <laughs> that, that, that made that night memorable for you and your pals that's on right. Twitter that's right um, yeah. Purely as a show, it was fine, and it was nice, and it was a little dull because it was all chalk, right? Like, there there wasn't a single upset yeah. that I'm aware of or that I was paying attention to, which, you know, in terms of, of and certainly there were no punches or slaps or envelope mishaps. Yeah. Um, it was a very well-managed and well-run per, uh, production. I like it when Jimmy Kimmel hosts. I think he's a good host. In terms of everything everywhere, I think we're in the same boat with it. I didn't really like the movie. Mm-hmm. But I have really come around on the story of the movie and the triumph of the spirit that fueled the movie. Everyone involved seems amazing. Yeah. Everyone involved seems so nice. I fucking love Jamie Lee Curtis. I love Michelle Yeoh. These people are deeply deserving of acclaim. Yeah. Yeah. Let me just, like we said at the top, I think Tar is is a singular cinematic achievement and one of the most important works of art that I've encountered in the last few years, and I love it forever. It was never going to win. Yeah. So put that aside. Michelle Yeoh winning is awesome. And more than that, and I and I have to be honest, like talking to our buddy Sean Fennessy about this, both in person and listening to him on the big picture and on um, Bill's show last week, helped me calm down because the tendency to make everything culture war is unavoidable mm-hmm. and inescapable. I didn't love the movie because for reasons other people have, I think, articulated better, it just didn't speak to me like rhythmically. Like it just felt yeah. like very montage. It's younger yeah, yeah. in a lot of ways than than I am, which is a tough thing to admit, even though we are not young anymore. Um, so it did not resonate with me on that level. But I think it's really important to note how completely odd and unlikely this is for not just a win, a win here and there, but a total dominant mm-hmm. sweep. I mean, this is the sort of movie that best case success story might have been the Daniels winning for screenplay or something. Oh, yeah. Or a supporting uh, nod. Or maybe right. Michelle Yeoh, the, the spirit that fueled the whole movie campaign is just ends up being, she's the recipient of it. This movie was not made uh, with anything other than, I think, pretty healthy and good and pure artistic intention. It was not meant to be a wedge in some sort of larger wokeness war or to be a pawn in someone's Twitter argument. Like, they made a movie they wanted to make and people fell in love with it. That's what we want. Better this than so many other things, you know, and, and hopefully many good things come in its wake. And I have to say also, I was really impressed with Daniels, like just being camera ready and prime time ready and like being clever and charming and articulate and warm. There, there are still, I mean, this isn't like, I was going to say this isn't the 70s or 80s or 90s or 2000s or 2010s in Hollywood. There are still monsters out there or assholes or ego beasts. And these guys seem great. And the community they've engendered seemed great. So am I? do I sound like the end of the movie, Everything Everywhere All at Once, where the <laughs> motto is be nice to each other? Well, if you like, did, then you would have to keep going on for another 20 minutes now. Great point. Yeah. <laughs> great point. But like, it, it was nice. Yeah. That, that was really my takeaway. And I think uh, beyond that, like, Brendan Fraser winning was sweet. Right. Um, you run the whale back a couple of times? That's, I cannot say that I did. And I wonder about anyone else in Hollywood. But, you know, people that this town loves a redemption story. Sure. Uh, or a comeback. You didn't need to be redeemed for anything. So were the, did anything else jump out at you from the ceremony? No, I mean, I, last night I was I, texting with uh, Juliet Littman, uh, my coworker and, and, and very good friend. And we were like, man, there's not a lot of stars there. 
Uh, yes. Matt Damon's not there. Ben Affleck's not there. George Clooney's not Tom there. Tom Cruise isn't there. Tom Cruise, Tom Hanks. That was odd. Uh, Denzel Washington. At least they weren't on camera. Like, mm-hmm. they may have been somewhere, but usually the account, the broadcast does well, a really Cruise good job of being— Well, he, yeah, quite, I thought quite obviously, even yeah. though he had been doing the whole run of PGA mm-hmm. stuff and everything. But it does seem like it's sort of like this inflection point where— even if they had been there, I don't know if that's really the show that they're making anymore. I mean, those people make movies yeah. that like kind of one in three of them are successful, right? Let's just say generally, right? Like Tom yeah. Hanks, Denzel, uh, Cruz, obviously all of his movies are successful, but I seriously do think Cruz didn't think he was going to win and probably didn't want to sit through Scientology jokes, if I had to guess. Yeah. Um, I saw some pretty good points, I think, Bellany made, where it's just like, even if you're like, you're not going to win if you're Tom Cruise or James Cameron you should go to applaud the below the line people who do win awards yes uh i i take that i take that point but it was interesting to watch oh no you know like no Jennifer Lawrence no Julia Roberts like all these people who you would think of as like sort of major name and lights kind of names yeah. and instead you get like the Questloves and the Jessica Chastains and, and Malala and Malala and Jenny the Donkey you know like it's it's interesting that it is not seen as uh appointment awards like this is hollywood's night out anymore and it's more like do i have something to promote or is my movie nominated it's very and also or are you sort of a four quadrant celebrity like Questlove, which is one i mean we love him and always have from philadelphia if Questlove becomes like the kind of like the mayor of hollywood the mayor of hollywood like there are way worse things that could happen in the world a billion percent it is I, I think it's more than anything else that is an interesting snapshot, if not indictment, of the fractured state of the industry. Right. The Oscars are not Hollywood's biggest night because Hollywood stars don't show up to swan about and be recognized from the stage and joke and press the flesh and pass the torch because that just doesn't exist anymore. It's yeah. generationally fractured. There is no, to your point, like Tom Cruise and Denzel Washington are movie stars and are royalty and are respected. Who's behind them in line? Who's next? Yeah, like Michael B. Jordan. Like, the, like there is like at least like an idea of like for sure. But that's a pretty wide gulf, and um, you know, it, it's also a different era where I don't know if any of these people. And also, by the way, they probably have better things to do with their time than attend award shows for fun to be on camera. I think it's probably healthy that people don't show right. up but on a human would, level. But like, if but, you worked in the movies, wouldn't you be like, yeah, I want to go to the Oscars? Like, yes, like, and yes, like. Like Jack Nicholson and, before me, I want to be a character at the and, Oscars. Exactly. And I think that's what's interesting is we'd reached a point that I think was understood and recognized where like, you know, the, the Bradley Coopers or Jennifer Lawrence's yeah. will be there if they or their movies are nominated. They're not necessarily just going to hang about. But not that they're not just hanging around Hollywood. And, and yeah. now, yeah, there isn't anyone who's just going to be hanging around Hollywood. I mean, I think some people go to parties and stuff, but but that did feel different. And, and it also felt a little, I don't, here's my one note. You know, uh, sports guy who we work with mm. and work for is a big body language guy. <laughs> Did you feel like, so when Kimmel was doing the crowd work, uh-huh. which is an Oscar staple, and he's very good at it, you know, with the cutaways, the people who weren't necessarily expecting to be talked about. I mean, they all are, but. Well, they, when Jessica Chastain was wearing a mask, I didn't think she expected Jimmy Kimmel to. Not literally crowd work. That's yeah. true. But in the monologue, let's say. Oh, yeah. And he's yeah, like, yeah. and Judd okay. Hirsch is here. And he's like, oh, me? Oh, yes, yes, here I am. <laughs> yeah. You know, and there's a joke about riding a motorcycle or whatever. Um, I felt like everybody that he cut to gave it like, a, like 15% too much mustard. Like it was very 
college acting class, uh-huh. you know, where they were all like doing a bit, you know, like, oh, like Adonis Creed is here and, and MBJ is like, ooh, Duke's up. You know what I mean? Like everybody was really. Yeah, it is kind of like it was like what it was like a very Perry Mason era. Like, it, like, like Clark Gable's here. Yes. Oh, I'm twirling my mustache. But everyone I felt like was really like, maybe it's because still we don't know how to be in public anymore. Like something severed and broke over something the last Something tells three years. me that the folks in that theater but, are pretty comfortable being in public. But like, how about Steven Spielberg? Okay, 75 years old. He really doesn't need to be yeah, doing this. Yeah, but Jimmy Kimmel was like, you're, you're, it's funny how your mom sucks. <laughs> Yeah. I think he was they, just like, right. they didn't cut to him in that one. Yeah. They cut to him when they were like, when Kimmel was like, you were very high when you made E.T. 40 plus years yeah. ago, right? And then he was just like, no, I'm sober. And they cut to him again and he was like, I am sober. <laughs> it was just weird. It's very serious, you know? Uh, were, were you in your living room making the everything everywhere all at once bagel head gesture? Oh, when they, when, like, when, any, when it won? Yeah, it when, when Jamie Lee won. Um, no, no. Right. Look, like this is the thing is that there are some years where it's uh, a binary choice between two movies and you can be really like mm-hmm. throw yourself into the narrative of I'm team this or I'm team that. Yeah. Uh, no more so than La La Land and Moonlight. But like over the years, of course, like there's just been many examples. This year, it seemed like because of the precursor awards. Yes, it was. And Sean and Amanda have been, have been really great on this idea that there is now it's too long and these precursor award shows are too well publicized and too available. This is right. So that essentially, by the time you get to the Oscars, if they follow a pattern, then the people who you're seeing accept the Oscar have already accepted awards for the last three months, if not longer. You see them make speeches. And and, even some of the big winners, like Michelle, yo, like had done that speech a couple of times. She did it at the SAG Awards. Like, they've done... The, the first time I noticed this was was when, I think, McConaughey... McConaughey did the Dallas Buyers Club speech at the Gold Globes and then did the same bit, basically. And it was better the first time. Yes. I agree. It, it's interesting that the Oscars have found themselves in this place where they are not setting culture. They're capping it. Yeah, and the They're only way to really solve against that would be to, ma- to basically move voting up yep. way, way in advance. You know, so that people basically were like, I voted for these people. I, I Or move the show up. I mean, Sean was like, they should put it right after the Super Bowl. So that would have been a month? Yeah, a month. Three ago. weeks? Yeah. Yeah, like three weeks ago. For me, I left this multiverse and went into a different one after the Super Bowl. So I couldn't really tell you <laughs> about time. I, I just had two other notes. Yeah, one, sure. it was a great night to remember that Jamie Lee Curtis is married to Christopher Guest. And I would pay top dollar for his unvarnished opinions about that movie uh-huh. because he is notoriously a miserable crank despite uh-huh. being a genius. So I thought that was interesting to watch him in that role. Um, I didn't know if you wanted, I had two, it, there were three takeaways from watching the show with my daughters. Sure. Um, one, Outrage, The Turning Red did not win okay. in the animated feature, the only category they cared about. They did like the animated short, the, the boy, the horse, the hound, the donkey. I forget what it was called. Okay. Three men and a little baby. Beautiful. Very nice. I, Clearly, they'll, they'll take that with them forever. Meant a lot to me. They know the name of it. They got <laughs> mad at me when I tried this bit out on them last night. If you do, do you try a lot of bits out on your kids? It doesn't go great. Yeah. As you'll know by my next observation, the last one, which was they care about the commercials more than anything else. Uh-huh. And there was a commercial for Michelle Obama's podcast. And my older daughter said, Michelle Obama has a podcast? And I said, yes. And she said, I bet it's a lot better than yours. That's going good for you then. Yeah. yeah. Which is fair. It probably is. Did you care about the uh, studio spawn? 
the Oh, did you just skip past the commercials for the most part? Uh, which ones? The Well, like Disney had the oh. trailer in in the show. There was like a tribute to Warner Brothers. Like I was just curious whether or not you were you were like separation of church and state. The Oscars are a very sacred <laughs> institution. No, I, I think that ship has I think that ship has sailed. Okay. Would you prefer Yeah. So we've had the slap, we had mm-hmm. the accounting mishap, you know, mm-hmm. we had the mix up. Uh and like say we had this night, which was essentially like a couple of like Oh, that was really nice. Mm-hmm. Or, huh, this has taken a long time. But for the most part, went off without a hitch and will only be remembered as the everything night. Not like a night he, where any like outstanding piece of uh, you know entertainment came out of the actual broadcast. Do you prefer an Oscars yeah. that you forget about almost instantaneously afterwards as a program, not necessarily as the winners, but just as like a television experience? Or... Mm-hmm. Have you now turned yourself into something of a of a danger freak when it comes to the Oscars and you miss a little bit of fuckery? This was such a dull and polite award ceremony. It was I kind straight of a up thought night. like there was like an hour where I was like, this is really boring. Yeah. yeah. It, 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 it was. Yeah. I think that the antidote to that isn't more star on star violence so much as it is let's have some surprises. Let's uh, you're what you just said, and I and I realize Sean and Amanda have been banging this drum for much longer than 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 we have, but it's boring at this point. It's the public, you, you're, I, I really appreciate the succinct way you recap that because people didn't used to care about Guild Awards. They were minor. They weren't televised. I mean, maybe they still don't. Maybe 80% well, of the people watching the Oscars have no idea who won the SAG Awards. But I do think that there is groupthink in terms of like the more awards that happen before the Academy voting affect the, the Academy voting. There's right. no way. I think maybe the Academy thought that it, they would serve as a corrective to the sort of brash decision-making of the weird cabal that makes the Golden Globes. But actually, it's just enhanced the groupthink. And so I just wanted moments of surprising passion. There wasn't, even Michelle Yeoh winning, which is a beautiful moment, her speech was wonderful, her emotion was genuine, felt more like, re- not relief, but like it, it was, it was, I gotta say her sag her sag speech was like kind of kind of better. Not better, yeah. but like she was like blown away. She was swearing. She was like couldn't like she was walking around in circles yeah. and when she went, I was like, this is this is really moving to see her this excited. And I don't know if she was like, I'm probably gonna win the Oscar by that point, but yeah. when she got up on stage, she was great. And she was it was obviously like a lovely moment, but I just thought like that's an example of like two weeks ago, you had this like amazing, incredible burst of like of surprise and joy and then then you get to the oscars which everybody's actually watching and it was like oh yeah she's she's already done this speech a couple of times yeah or she's done she's had this experience a couple of times that's why the natu natu guys was had the best speech yeah i was just singing the carpenters like that's fun it's always fun and i I did appreciate that they learned their lesson from last year where they were trying to x out the the you know the quote-unquote less prestigious awards but sometimes the best moments come from those awards um I have one last question yeah. before we get into Last of Us. You still haven't seen Banshees, right? I tried to get it in before the Oscars. But once I knew you, it wasn't going to win. Did you try to get it in like you started it? Or you no, just, no, no. I'm, I, I'm not <laughs> anti this film. I, I look forward to it. Uh, okay, so you did not get the Jenny the Donkey bit. I heard there's a donkey in the movie. Yes. Yeah. And then there was a donkey on stage at the Oscars. Did you understand that that was a Banshees of Inisherin thing? I, if I was <laughs> faster on my feet this morning, I could have made a, a joke about someone else being the donkey. But yes, yeah. yes, I, I, I got it. I get it. Like, uh, you look, Chris. Like I, that wasn't. I. I, I don't think that was the same donkey from the movie. I haven't I seen 
cocaine bear, but I understood the jokes about a bear who's ingested a worrying amount of cocaine. Um, you know what I mean? Can I just say that the funniest tweets I saw all night yeah. were uh, people diagnosing Elizabeth Banks with COVID? <laughs> a million percent. There was somebody who tweeted, I'm sorry, I can't remember. It was somebody who was like, uh, everybody in this room to Elizabeth Banks after she gets off stage, and it was just a picture of Jessica Chastain wearing a mask. <laughs> I thought that I, was good. I, um, when she emerged with the bear in order to avoid the spectacle or the challenge of explaining both bears and drug-taking bears to my daughters, I was like, look, this woman is the voice of Wild Style in the Lego movies. And then she opened her mouth. And it was like, hey! And I was like, <laughs> they were like, that's not what she sounds like. Yeah, yeah. This episode is brought to you by Mint Mobile. One thing you don't have to worry about cleaning up this spring season, your wireless bill. Just switch to Mint Mobile. It's easy. And right now, they have unlimited talk, text, and data plans for $15 a month when you buy a three-month plan. To get this new customer offer, go to mintmobile.com slash watch. That's mintmobile.com slash watch. $45 upfront payment required equivalent to $15 a month for first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. As a plant-based cheese company, Daya has never talked about beef in an ad before because someone somewhere once had a beef with saying beef and plant-based together. So putting a slice of Daya cheese on a beef burger, not okay. Well, our delicious melty cheese has a beef with your beef about beef because any step towards plant-forward eating is a step in the right direction. Daya, 100% plant-based, even if you're not. Now made with Daya Oat Cream Blend. Hey, welcome to Ikea, where even this desk is circular. Huh, how so? Looks pretty rectangular to me. It's because we're always looking to repair, reuse, and we love our products, like buying back your Ikea items for store credit, or shop our as-is section for great deals. You can even order free spare parts. Get on the circular path for a more sustainable future. Still a rectangle. Get started at ikea-usa.com slash circular. Visit ikea-usa.com slash circular for as-is information and buyback and resale terms and conditions. Spare parts not available for all products. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Let's talk about The Last of Us. Yeah. Uh, Let's do it. Yeah, so this was the season finale. I, I got a little bit of a plot recap here just to refresh your memory. Is it bang, 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 bang? I'm really glad I watched this before the Oscars. Mm. I, I'm glad that this wasn't like, now that the four-hour broadcast is over, it's time to watch America's <laughs> most beloved father-son, father-daughter duo. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so the finale opened with, well, I guess, you know, I, 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 I have to look. I can't remember what the actual finale is called. But uh, I like to think of it as how we met Ellie's mother. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> okay. Uh, we see a pregnant woman get chased by, uh, I mean, we assume some some old cordyceps. Uh, and uh, she's pregnant. She runs into an abandoned house. Uh, she gets followed by a, a I'm going to call them zombies. I don't think it's an I, abandoned house. I think she was intending to go there. It seemed abandoned. There wasn't a lot of furniture. I think her gang wasn't there. Right. Like they were supposed to be. Because she goes in, she goes, hey. I'll take comments at the end. Hey. <laughs> she came in with a catchphrase. Where's everybody? She stabs one of the zombies, and she just drops a baby. And I wonder whether or not we really missed a beat here, OBGYN-wise. You hear about people going through these like long, intensive labors. I'm just saying, maybe we should frighten more women during labor. <laughs> this is this. By the way, 
Dr. Chris, internet OBGYN, is the new bit. This is what we're doing. It's going to go great. All four quadrants are going to love it. Too bad for everybody involved. The mom has been bitten, though. And I was a little bit confused about, like, she gets bitten on the leg, mm. but she cuts the cord. Mm-hmm. But I assume that the transference in the umbilical cord is what makes Ellie yeah. immune. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Um, Marlene? From the earlier part of the season, Firefly Marlene comes through. My girl. Uh, they apparently, Hannah, I think it's Hannah, uh, is the name of the mom, and Marlene. Anna? Anna? Mm-hmm. Okay. Maybe well, maybe when you're crying out because you have to <laughs> mercy kill her, maybe there's a little extra, like a little phlegm in the throat that makes it sound like Hannah. Marlene didn't shed a lot of tears about that. She was like, I can't do it. And then she was like, you got to do it. So she takes the baby. She kills uh, her friend. And we flash forward. Obviously, that baby is Ellie. And by the way, uh, shout out to Ashley Johnson. Looks a lot like Bella Ramsey. That was very good casting. She played her in the video game. Oh, really? Yeah. Wait, she played the. Look at you. Yeah. Did you research? I mean, I read the internet. I don't do that anymore. I read like two pieces. That's a minefield. Yeah. So she played Ellie in the video game. Uh, she did. Yes. So we flash forward to Joel Hmm. and Ellie, who are nervously walking towards Salt Lake City uh, after the events of the Silver Lake Resort and the All You Can (laughs) Eat events of the All Star Game. Well, still recovering from John Moran's pitch. I think they're worried because there's no defense in Salt Lake City. That's right. Uh, Ellie's pretty shaken up, and Joel is all in on being dad of the year. He's got Boggle, uh, some chill stories on the similarities and differences between Ellie and his late daughter. Mm. Uh, he shares a tale about attempting to take his own life. Ellie recounts how she had to kill her best friend, Riley. It's really heartwarming stuff. And then Joel is like, we can just leave. We do not have to go. Uh, and subject you to whatever the fireflies want from you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Ellie is like, well, then what would be the point of doing all of this? Which I think is a pretty good one. Uh, upon arrival in Salt Lake, Joel and Ellie get jumped by fireflies. And Ellie gets prepped for surgery that nobody really warned her about. And Marlene, who has made it across the country, some questions about that, tells Joel to uh, beat it. Thanks for playing. She's in his debt. You, these guys are going to walk you out to the highway and give you your backpack. Um she also informs him that Ellie's medical contribution will involve her, uh, I thought maybe being lobotomized, but it sounds like that would have been fatal because they're just going to straight up remove the brain. Well, uh, just bits. bits well, and it didn't of sound like she was going to be making it out of that, that room. Oh, agree. Yeah. Agree. Uh, so Joel does not. He doesn't take this well. He thinks that violates the Hippocratic Oath. Let's mm. just put it that way. So he kills all the fireflies, including the surgeon who is probably humanity's last hope. He also kills Marlene and then he takes Ellie towards Tommy's spot in Wyoming and he tells Ellie that raiders came after the hospital Mm -hmm. and he barely got her out and everyone else was killed. And she asks him to swear that's the case and he does and I'm sure that will be the last of that. And that is my recap of the finale. Did I miss anything? Produced by Kaya McMullen. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Um, Brought to you by Simply Safe. You, uh, well, I mean, but it, you miss things in the way that the Mona Lisa is just a picture of a lady. Well, there's a lot of nuance, and I, that's that's why I have you here. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Right. I thought that this was... It's weird to say that this show feels like it got darker when you consider where it started. Mm-hmm. I think that it's pretty pretty fucking cool. Take take away whether or not it's, it, it, it's hewing close to a video game and you can just read the plot and blah, blah, blah. I, I think the Joel character has actually really grown on me. No mm. cordyceps. Uh, it's really been a pretty interesting to watch Pascal like allow that guy to like feel again, mm-hmm. you know, in his own way. And his nervous talking through this episode is like 
that's good character development. That this yes. is a guy who's like allowing himself to feel again, is overworking himself because he feels like he's obviously got a traumatized teenager on his hands. And this obviously like it goes and pays off the first episode in Sarah, you know, with like the this guy is still grieving. He almost took his own life in the aftermath of his own daughter's death. Now he's got this person in his life that has saved his life, that he has saved her life. That, that is universally recognized as a five-tool player. <laughs> a, le- a natural leader. leader. yeah. And uh, I thought that, I think that that's really, that's been really well done. So you want to talk about Joel first? Yeah, well, I think that that's a great point to make because I think that one of the things that narrative story, like filmed entertainment often gets wrong about characters who have trauma or blockages or keeping things buried is that when the blockage is removed, it's just happiness and light. Like mm-hmm. now they're fixed. Right. Underneath this giant um, drain, uh, plug of whatever. <laughs> How do you plug things? Doing a lot of home improvement recently. <laughs> so when the Drano goes down <laughs> slowly, um, it's just a fucking mess underneath. Yeah. he He's a mess. And I appreciated that. I appreciated that in the performance. You know, I think also and this has come out in a lot of the post-finale interviews that Craig Mason has done as well, like, he clearly is very interested in the idea of the messy impossibility of morality. Mm -hmm. That it's really a construct that we put on ourselves, put on our society, sort of keep things as in line as we possibly can. Because when you get down to something very existential, like the actual person that I love versus an abstract idea of humanity, most of whom I don't know, and many of whom have tried to kill me over the course of the previous episodes. Well, that's what I was going to say is that... You know, like, if you're Joel, yeah, and you've gone through the last nine episodes to say nothing of the last 20 years, yeah, is humanity really worth saving? Yeah, I mean, that's the question. I, I agree, and I think that playing that and... So you make, get Kathleen and David? That's cool. Well, also, his behavior here is is the same as Kathleen. Yep. You know, and and, and I guess, I think in a, it was in the Vulture interview where Mason said that there's an intentional cut to Joel listening to her very intently. Mm-hmm. As if to Kathleen. To Kathleen, as yeah. if he's hearing the wrong thing. So I think there will be a spirited debate um, about, from people who aren't familiar with, I guess, the last level of the video game, which this was, right. uh, about the choices made of here. Of the first part of the game. So of, of the first game, yeah. part one. Um, about his behavior. And i just here to say that, look, as a father of daughters, this is just classic hashtag, hashtag girl dad. Yeah. This is just what you do. Yeah. You know, when, when the boggle runs out and the pun well runs dry, you just gun down everyone in your path yeah. between you and your kid. Um, On the flip side of ex- the same compliment I, I paid yeah. Pascal, I'll pay Bella Ramsey, who uh, I thought did a really good job of being Ellie, but being Ellie who is like going through it, you know. Mm-hmm. And and I and she has been sort of uh, relentless in her kind of energy over the course of the season. And even sometimes I was like, would she really be that like? puckish after Kansas City you know would mm-hmm. she really be like that peppy and uh, to see her kind of affected by what she's witnessed and what she's done mm-hmm. in the previous episode is really I thought was really well done and I mean we could get into like what happens at the hospital well I also just want to say that I thought the best moment of the episode was the sort of um, brief return of her um, childhood and her joy Um as someone who also loves putting giraffes into television shows, I thought that was a lovely so CGI giraffes moment. I, on my show? No, they no, weren't. No, I know that. In fact, my wife said, <laughs> D, 
didn't Andy have a, seat, a giraffe? And I was God. like, but Andy had real ones. And I didn't think, I, I didn't I, think that they were real. But that was my argument. Wow. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is Briar Patch is better than Last of Us. That's the takeaway. I, I can't as like a as a objective right. journalist. I can't really weigh in on those kinds of things. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I respect that about yeah. you more Don't than Taibi coming after me. You know, <laughs> you want to put your finger on the scales <laughs> yeah. with the banks and the all that. I thought that part was was very nice. Um, we can talk about the hospital stuff. The episode was weirdly, not weirdly, it was surprisingly brief. I mean... 43 minutes. It, Probably it, less it, when you get in past credits it, and, and all that. And, you know, I thought his massacre was artfully constructed and tastefully done, like yeah. a lot of other things have, have been excessive. this season. Uh, unquestionably excessive, yeah. but considering what it could have been. I did think, and I know we'll get dinged for this, but, you know, as everyone knows, we haven't played the game. It it had, for me, it had largely the charm of a first-person shooter. Mm-hmm. This was when it became a video game, you know, and that's what he was doing. Isn't it doing. kind of funny to watch, like, the first-person shooter stuff take place in, like, a more of a third-person view and just be like, huh, you just murdered 12 guys. But, like, if you're doing it in the game, like you're just like, dark. I only murdered 12 people. <laughs> yeah, what a, yeah, your kill rate was there, low. W- weren't enough headshots on this run? Uh, I... I find, this whole show, this season of this show particularly, has been really interesting for me to try to process because I think to take one step back, this is not a secret. Like I don't really like dystopian stuff. Yeah. So I I came into this or very, child in peril stuff. That's true. I came into this very skeptical. Week after week, I've just been so impressed by the level of care and the level of skill and professionalism, and it's just a very well-made show. Mm-hmm. And at times, I've really, really liked it, and at worst, I've respected it. Um, I've really been trying to engage with not just... You you alluded to this in, in general in terms of something Sam was dinging us for. Not the version of the show I wish it was because it's a dystopian zombie show based yeah, on video game. There is no version of it. stations on that because I think it, we're trying to like be... It's like, this is an adaptation of a source that has had checkered history when it comes to making stories out of video games, right? Historically. Yeah. I mean, our, our feelings about Mortal Kombat aside. And I think that there, there's, we, we could follow that impulse all the way down to just be like, why isn't there more humor in this? Yes. And, and why I, am I talking in the I, movie phone voice? But, <laughs> I appreciate that. I think, so I think I, what I came down on was thinking about how, to me, my first reaction to this episode was, this is really rushed. I haven't fallen in love with Ellie the way Joel has, and I'm the audience, mm-hmm. you know? So the sudden, it felt sudden, the turn from where they were in episode one or two to this absolute let, let's play Boggle in, on the farm for the rest of our lives, like you are my daughter transference. And I think that... But don't you think it's but, essentially the payoff of the previous episode or two of the last previous episodes where she's essentially like, I got to take care of this guy? Yes, and I also think that he is not in his right mind, both because of the Im- immense trauma and because of the physical trauma that he went through. And with the HGH he injected <laughs> directly into his wound, though that was not penicillin. Um, all, all, all of that. The reason I'm bringing this up is because it's worth considering the flip side. If I'm saying this felt rushed, maybe there's more room for story or growth here, let's play that through. I don't want five more episodes. They, I mean, you read the Mason interviews, they were shooting for 200 days. Like, they don't want five more episodes. They couldn't do it. This is actually a really interesting show for this moment in TV because we have, maybe it, it begins to represent a swing back to more efficient storytelling. That you don't need to do everything 
widescreen and, you know, everything is an origin story of an origin story. Now, there was an origin story in this episode, and we'll get to it. I appreciated the brevity of it, and I think that this was the better version of the show. But I did bump on that, and it, because he, for him to behave this way, there had to be a certain amount of buy-in. Mm-hmm. And I found that to be a little bumpy. I think, and you notice it more on the margins, like, what was Marlene? What are the Fireflies? They, they are convenient red shirts at this point, you know, to be gunned down by Joel. But it's, it was tough to land the emotional plane of, this woman was essentially Ellie's mother. You know, this woman right. really was fighting for something bigger than herself, and there was a chance, because we don't know. We saw her in one place, now she's here. She seems, she, there's a lot of big talk. She seems to be like the Sean Penn of, you know, just like, <laughs> Or, like, ground-up healthcare infrastructure. Uh She's like, just a a few, you know, like, razor, garlic, thin slice shavings, Goodfellas prison scene of Ellie's brain. And we are, we're set up in Dodger Stadium. Well, we'll never know because Joel fucking killed the doctor. (laughs) I mean, that really was. (laughs) That was the one where I was like, maybe just one knee shot, you know, like, aim lower. And then be like, listen, can you take a look at this gut wound? (laughs) A child stitched me up. Um... Yeah, so I, it felt, I, it, what was your emotional takeaway from this? I thought this was an interesting episode. It has me thinking about things, about like how long we need for these stories, our investment. Oh, yeah. Um, what was my takeaway from the sort of climax so you, of the episode? Even when it finished, were you like, did it put a button on the season for you? Did you feel like you- I think that I had like a kind of pit in my stomach because, you know, um, and you know what, honestly, I'll give it credit for this because even though it's not always my favorite emotion to have, I yeah. was like- I, I've noticed in a lot of IP storytelling, especially, but even stories that don't need to, to have this conceit, a reluctance to pit quote unquote heroes against one another. Yes. And I think that it's starting to become kind of a kind of a problem where even in the screen movie, which mm-hmm. I I liked big parts of, so the most recent screen movie, it's just like everybody's kind of getting along. Yes. And that's not actually how it's not only what not what Scream used to be like, but it was actually part of Scream's charm is that you were always on your toes because you couldn't tell what like any one character wanted because they seemed to not like the other character that they were with. So like Sydney and Gail, sort of these two Scream characters, I promise I'll land this, but they're they're kind of pitted against one another for as much as they're also avoiding getting stabbed to death by a, a serial killer. The reason why I bring this up is I think there's been like kind of a trend of in Marvel movies and Star Wars movies of like, we all get along. Everybody's buddies. It's just banter. Yeah. It's all like, it's all, and, and like everybody's kind of rowing in the same direction against a Thanos or some kind of like big bad. So I like the fact that Last of Us gets to the very end and you're just like, oh, this is going to be the downfall of Joel and Ellie's relationship. Yeah. Even though I don't know that. Yes, I, I think that's I didn't right. read forward, but like clearly Ellie senses something is off about that whole thing. She was, under but like maybe has like just an idea of like why did I fall asleep one place and wake up in a car without my clothes on somewhere else yeah and Marlene who I at least have a sense of who she was to me and known her for most of my life is now not here anymore and Joel is giving me a very quick story about Raiders and how he blasted his way through everything which is not untrue he did blast his way through everything but I think that it would have been dramatically interesting if that lie had been kind of evaporated quicker quicker like i would have been interested to see as the last scene of this season her being like bullshit or or him being like you know what the turns out that they were gonna kill you 
in that surgery and you, they didn't give you a choice. They just put you under. And so I'm, I made the decision that your life was worth saving. I don't want to sound too bloodless about this because I think, I think the show has been an exceptional success and a lot of reasons. And first and foremost among them is what you're saying. I think it is doing incredible work moving the window for what we expect mm-hmm. or what we should expect from these types of entertainments, not just in terms of like the quality of adaptation and the care with which they're being done and not just resting on the laurels of a successful franchise in a different medium. Um, But in terms of, okay, you're going to end the world. Well, that's going to have a long tail of psychological and emotional effects on people. And they are not necessarily going to be heroes anymore. And if you're going to ask people to go through what these people are going through, they may not always get along. And they may not always see things the same way. And there might not be an easy answer or resolution to that. And I really like that. And similarly, I am all for a trend of let's get in and get out. Obviously not in terms of production, but in terms of what's on the screen. Yeah. Like, let's keep it moving. Let's bring some sense of cinematic storytelling back to television where just because we can fill 10 hours or 15 hours or whatever, we don't have to take it all. We can we can get there. I think that's all... Um, that's all really significant. And yet, I have to be honest, and I mean, people listening to this podcast and maybe last week can tell, I don't feel particularly emotionally invested in the show, Mm -hmm. which I'm finding surprising partly because the Q rating of this show, even small sample size among friends and family, among people who traditionally don't like this kind of thing, this kind of thing being genre shows, IP shows, violent shows, has really thrown me. People... Isn't that the HBO Halo effect? You would think, but... I mean, it's like there's... I Maybe not exactly, but there are plenty of shows kind of like Mayor of Easttown, but Mayor of Easttown becomes the thing that people are like, I love that, though. It's like, well, there's like I, 90 detective shows we could... I agree. And in that case, in that argument, I think it's just the, the quality of the performances or the, the, the money spent on it or the accuracy yeah. in terms of, um, you know, uh, Rolling Rock and Yingling being the preferred beers of choice of the region. But... I think there's something else going on, and I, I, I don't feel equipped to really articulate it. I, I, I would say it's just fundamentally making it a, 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 a father-daughter or a, there's a just, story, but I, don't, I, I, I bump on that slightly. I think that there's—I was thinking about this last night uh, watching the Oscars and thinking about the kinds of movies that get made anymore, mm-hmm. you know, and how a lot of these—not uh, art house, but more awards fodder movies— all get bunched up towards the end of the year, come out in quick succession, don't do particularly well at the box office, and then kind of hope and pray that people find out about them, largely off the back of the Oscars, I would assume. Everything, everywhere, all at once being an exception to the rule because it did quite well at the box office. And, and came out a year ago. Yeah, and came out almost a year ago to the yeah. day. It premiered Satisfy. TV is, has now fully become where all the things that you would have you expected to see in the movie theaters 30 years ago or now just on like the last of us is a perfect idea for a movie it's like mm-hmm. a simple story you can cut out all the cat like the backstory parts about it you could just have this movie end at where it ended essentially with like maybe some more resolution and i wonder whether or not the reason why people are responding to the last of us is because if you take something like even though it feels genre and give it a lot of emotional depth mm-hmm hire all these incredible actors and tell it in a pretty comprehensible, straightforward way without a lot of bullshit, people are going to respond to it. Just the same way they did Mare of Easttown, the same right. way they do to Succession, which all of those things in some shape or form might have been movies 30 years ago. Yeah, I think I also, I really responding to what you're saying about 
the relative simplicity or lack of overthinking yeah. to it. it, which is interesting because if you read interviews with Mason, he thinks about everything, you know, and, and I think that also has an effect in the, when you read the, for me, when I read the interviews and he's talking about the way that he thinks of the show, the stakes, the, the definition of morality, et cetera, et cetera. First, I'm a little bit like, whoa, easy guy, yeah. you know? But then I'm like, it has to be that way for it to succeed on this level. He has to be this fully committed and invested. And I'm very impressed by it, honestly. I, I guess I'm just struggling in real time with like trying to find my way into it because there's a difference between admiration and love and passion. Absolutely. You know, and I'm not, it's, it's, I, I'm well, just surprised I think that, that I'm not You typically there. have the reaction of, if I don't like it or love it, it means I don't like it or I don't love it. Like you have like more of like an opposite sort of reaction. Whereas like, I, and I think what you're responding to here is, I don't love it. Like it's not something I can't yeah. wait to spend more time in, but I certainly don't not like it. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like you're having the opposite reaction where you're like, this is stupid or this wasn't well done or this looked cheap or whatever. I, I think it also comes down to, and this is, this might be a very, very basic observation, but like outside of the the Bill and Frank episode, you know, there's, and when they rediscovered the pun book <laughs> twice in the season, right? it's not like a warm and fuzzy hang. There aren't characters that I'm excited to see and be with. Because this is the world, yeah. you know. I, I'm not again. I'm not arguing that this should be. Um, uh, what was the like? This is the end, you know, with like the Franco sure. and, and Rogan movie. Like, I'm not saying this is a. It's a, a bad comedy. time. It gives it, but it. You know what? Honestly, if it had been more fun, and I guess the one exception would be Tommy in Wyoming. It seems to have found like a great yeah. situation without any weirdness. I, you know, you. I think that if you had gone through a season that had more highs and lows in that way, you would have been like, yeah, I think you would have viewed Joel's decision a lot differently. I think that's true. I think that there's an element, again, that you steer into, which is she doesn't, we don't know him. We get that little snippet at the beginning. Ellie certainly doesn't know him. And how well can you really know anyone? And what do you, as you get to know someone or you get to, be, actually not get to know them as you become to rely on them, as you mm -hmm. begin to need them, as you begin to love them and these sort of irrational feelings, you start to push away clouds of doubt yeah, or and, uncertainty and or question add marks. the twist of like pretty much like acceptable levels of violence do, going on. Do you, you no think law. do you think the opening, because we didn't really talk about it, made the HBO execs feel like really like confident and calm because finally here was another show that was saying that the real battlefield is the womb? Were you like, do you think they were like, this is our, this is core home box office brand? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it's too bad she wasn't being traced by a jack dragon. Can you do your, like, Jonas Era from the New York Times Hollywood fixer voice and just be like, hey, next time you're going to do a woman in labor, you know, don't. You don't have to. <laughs> I mean, you, I get it. Like, but there's, you don't have to do it. Okay. You don't have to. I mean, there are shows like this is going to hurt. Like, you, you have to do it. You have it. to do it. He works in a, in a maternity ward. That's part of the story. Yeah. And it's been done well, and it's been done poorly. But I, I, my thing is, and again, all respect to you, Chris. Like, to I me? think Yeah, but yeah. I think that your medical acumen is, well, it's not second to none, but it's not fourth to none. You know <laughs> what I mean? But when you have Dr. CR, OBGYN, being like, let's frighten women so they drop babies. <laughs> I just feel like maybe you're losing the plot of you of what you the story you intend to tell. I'm sure. Yeah, I was just I, being flippant. Who am I? 
are you, are you trying to like indemnify yourself in Spotify? Yeah, this is just a character I play. From uh, <laughs> that's right, like Tucker. That's right. Um, did you see? Uh, did you see that that uh, Ryan Condal broke his his silence about House of D season two? When did he do that? He, well, I just saw, I the saw that George Martin was like, "There will be more dragons." That's the part. It's like, yeah. what, yes, what, <laughs> I just feel like I was listened to in season one. Like my note was, I just feel like there are five, two. There aren't, aren't enough dragons. I would just like five more. Yeah, but I don't understand. I just think that when they come back, they need to start wearing football jerseys. So you, so can you can tell? be like, "There's 84. He's fucking fast." <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> Do you mean that? Oh, the dragons. I thought yeah. you meant like the Targaryens. Because it's not fair when Mal is like, oh, do you know this person? And like, do you know this dragon's favorite book? And I'm like, that dragon literally looks do, like the other dragon. Do you remember this? We we went through this in a smaller scale 10 years ago, whenever it was, when she'd be like, well, you know, Nymeria is still out there. And I was like, are you talking about the dog? <laughs> and then the face she made. I was like, I can't keep track of the people, let alone the animals. Big win for HBO. I don't think we there's there's a lot to belabor there. Uh, Speaking of belaboring, be curious whether or not when they start to talk about season two. I assume it's in production, or I assume it's in pre-production, or something. Oh, yeah. I mean, Craig Mazin did sound very tired uh, in in the interviews that I read, but, but I can imagine there's something very specific. It's even if they shot everything around Calgary, Alberta, like I would imagine the. Each thing is its own discrete movie, essentially. Like and the cast is mm-hmm. being moved in that, and out, that's, so you can't block shoot Nick Offerman throughout the season. Correct. You have to, you have to be like, okay, now it's, we're done. It's a new show every week, yeah. To a degree that you know, when Poker Face does it, it's built to do that, and they build the production around it, and that's this part is why of the Tony Gilmore is like sounds good. You guys, you guys knocked that out. <laughs> what, what do you mean, like why he doesn't go on and for Andor? Yeah, to set. Yeah, it's just <laughs> sounds good. Knock this out. I, I think that big picture, though, and we talked a little bit about this last week. Like, it's a huge win for HBO, mm-hmm. and it's also for me. Again, we we're always going to cape up for kind of it's not old school, but because it's just in the la- like ten years ago, this was a thing. But like the way the TV machine can still work, not just in terms of building a success week to week, which is clearly what happened with the show. It's the penetration into audience perception, yeah. awareness, interest, talking about it, um, giving it a chance because of who made it and who put it on the air. But uh, also, like Pedro Pascal was famous, I thought, before this show. He has ascended to a completely He's different level He's definitely like a very famous person now. Yeah, Because of this show. Uh, this show did that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's kind of funny in this, where, when often we come on this pod and we're talking about, we love this, but does it matter? Did anyone see it? What, you know, we, it's sort of very, it's very hard to quantify things, almost as if you're um, working in the back of the Silicon Valley Bank and you're like, is, does this have value anymore? <laughs> I can't tell. Let me ask you one last question. Yes. The decision to, I mean, I don't know if it was a decision like when they made this decision, but yeah. the decision to put it up against the Oscars, the finale. Yeah. Uh, in the past, there have been, I remember Throne Seasons, they would skip a week of airing for certain holidays. Uh, sometimes like President's Day or something like that. I feel like they would be like, no no Game of Thrones this week, be back next week. And they just, the nine episodes, they just kind of rolled them out and went up against the Academy Awards. Yes. Uh, which made it, I'm sure for some, a complicated night of viewing. Not for Pedro Pascal. Not he was for at the Pedro Oscars. Pascal. He was obviously doing great. Um, what, does that say anything about about the state of 
entertainment. Yeah. Like the flat, like the kind well, of like it's it's all a la carte now. Well, Last of Us, they did it did duck Super Bowl. Oh, it, that's they, right. They, but that that tells you. Well, they went too. up early, right? They it was available. Yeah. Yeah. This is it, the Russian is cut. Like they're not afraid of the Oscars. Yeah. That Damn. that idea. Damn. The idea of the Oscars being some sort of cultural juggernaut, where this goes back to what we said before, it's not Hollywood's biggest night. Nobody's, they're not afraid of it. Wow. They're not afraid of it because we really completed the circle. Not spot. only did we complete the circle, we proved the mistake we made in talking about the Oscars first. Oh, yeah. Because the, the conversation. But today, I didn't want to talk about him murdering a bunch of people and then be like, so Kimmel's monologue. I, speaking of killing, you know who <laughs> I, I agree with you, but yeah. I. And, and maybe this would be different if it, if the Oscars, and this will happen again, there will be an Oscars year where there's, you know, it's down to the wire or there's a surprise or an upset and then maybe more people will be talking about it. Had someone slapped someone, that probably would have been the A block in terms of people's water cooler conversations if people still have water coolers in their work from home <laughs> setups. But... Um, we say in a small room, just a small three room, people. Just breathing aerosols <laughs> on each other. Um... But straight from the Elizabeth Banks party, <laughs> she, the thing about her is she's a hugger. Yeah. You know, she, she? Re, yeah. When you, like when I was at the party last night, like she really <laughs> pulled me in close and really wanted to tell me about her experience on set. Yeah. Making sea bear. Yeah. Um, that's what we call it. But, uh, but yeah, like I, this was, this became a juggernaut and it didn't necessarily, it's weird. I, I feel like I, I'm self-editing because I'm really impressed by it. I'm I, looking I mean, forward look, to the second I, season, I, but I thought it was an kind of an odd finale and it, it made me think about I think it was journey. it was a finale that was like we have more story to tell we actually know where this is going we've right. only just begun a confident finale you see some saying. people some season finales are well, this is everything that was on the whiteboard mm. you know we'll have to figure out how we're gonna write our way out of this Barry's and not I love the season finale of Barry and it By obviously the way, uh, spoiler for Barry season three everyone <laughs> Do you think you got to 59 I think you should beep that. <laughs> I thought you already, the trailer came it's out. It's in the trailer. Kaya, can you beep the trailer? Yes. Like on I'll all add, internet platforms? I will add the trailer into this podcast and then I will beep it after that. <laughs> Just to add the runtime. Uh, the, you know, there are some finales where you're like, God damn, I don't really know where mm. the show goes from here. And then this is like, I definitely know where the show goes from here. Back, back to Tommy's. <laughs> what, what yeah, but she doesn't believe him. Right. She doesn't believe him and he's going to have to tell her the truth or when they're like, where's Marlene? Or how come nobody radioed? Or like... He definitely... And there's obviously going to be a survivor. <laughs> he was like, well, the nurses. Oh yeah, that's right. What is he thinking? I think he was like, I don't know what he was thinking. I think Craig Mason was like, this feels excessive. Like one too many. But like if that doctor was like the doctor who could help everybody, Listen, you don't just like wing that guy. Kathleen killed a doctor too, just for being a snitch. But she fucking hates doctors. Like, like obviously we're in a point where this Fair. one surgeon is like, I think if I get some cool brain on my plate, I can fix this my, whole problem. My thing is, look, there's a, the, the, the pundit Tom Nichols says that book, The Death of Expertise, you know, and he wrote that before the mushrooms ate everyone. I just feel like if there was anybody who attended University of Phoenix Medical School, you just don't shoot them. Oh, so you're thinking that, yeah, right. What I'm saying is like, it just seems like there's, you should, you should maybe, just maybe pause for a second. Take the kid. Yeah. What was the doctor going to do? Scalpel you? I'm not. Yeah. He, right? I, I, look, we have notes. I, I just would have told Ellie the, the straight truth. They were going to take your brain. You would be dead. 
So I had to I had to save you. Is this a referendum? You would do the on, same for me. Is this a referendum on Joel's lying? Because he definitely did the thing where his voice got higher. Yeah, I know. It was like obviously he's like, like Yeah, Raiders oh, were here. Woo. And uh it was sick, but I got you out. <laughs> and now we're going to Tommy's, a place I definitely love hanging out. Yeah. He did have a lot of time. Because she was on that that pro- propofol. Oh yeah. He had some time. You know, to, to come like, up with like a well, with the thing with lying is you don't want to make it too elaborate because then you can poke holes into it. Whoa, listen, you were quick with that. No, it's like that happens, right? Like people are all lies have a little bit of truth in it. You start from a place of truth. You want to minimize. Yeah, the but now he's introduced these raiders. It's like we we hear a lot about raiders, and we see a lot of them too. No, we don't. Everywhere they went, someone came and tried to kill them. Yeah, but the raiders that got burned alive in Frank and Bill's—that's one group of raiders. Then the Raiders uh, who mm. went after them outside of Colorado State, but those were just David's dudes, right? Yeah, those are just, yeah. those are They're just... not Raiders, they're cult followers. Oh, so for you, it's just semantics. Yeah, but like, I just like, you, we keep hearing about these Raiders. I'm like, what if it's a myth? I think Raiders is just like, it's like clickers. It's just like a word they use for NPCs with crowbars and guns. I think that their ideology is a little bit more, you know, Char- defined. Charged. Yeah. yeah. So you think season two is going to be her being like, how tall were these Raiders? Yes. <laughs> were they actually the Las Vegas Raiders who had holed up? <laughs> had they selected a quarterback yet? <laughs> or were they putting it all on Stidham? What? No, this is 2003. Like, they still, like Gannon was still the quarterback, Well, they right? weren't in Las Vegas either, were they? They were Oakland. Yeah. We're, we're really rambling. I think we're doing a good job the last 10 minutes, but I do think we I don't think anyone should be afraid of the Las Vegas Raiders offense. That's my final statement on Last of Us Season 1. Thanks to Kaya McMullen. Always a fun uh, fun way to see her is, is Monday morning when she's she's driven through the darkness. <laughs> Kaya, do you, do you want to weigh in on either of these topics on Oscars or Last of Us? Did we do it? No, I think you guys covered it. <laughs> Kaya, Kaya has a tea time. Or tea time. <laughs> uh, we will talk to you on Thursday. Yeah. I'm trying to remember what's going on in the world. Well, we have three more Daisy Jones that we should we could talk uh-huh. about. We've got there's Mando will be, will be back. Uh-huh. There's P Mace. Oh yeah. Oh, can I just say if anyone's made it to the end of this podcast, I, I've I've be, I'm beginning to get the sense that there are people. I don't want to create straw listeners, but there are some people who just hit fast forward or stop when we get to the interview portions of the Watch Podcast because they just love this. <laughs> can I just say whether you like Perry Mason or not? Please listen to Matthew Oh, because Matthew Reese was on the CR and Andy wavelength, bands-wise. It was so fun. Would you agree with that, Kaya? Could you, do you have an opinion? Yeah, that was delightful. He is. He's a lot of fun. He is so charming. Yeah. And it can go... Honestly, don't think we talked about Perry Mason that much. No, certainly didn't really spoil anything. He's just a delightful person. He we tried. talked about boats. <laughs> he did try. Yeah. But he came in... This was a big win for CR. Because before, you were just like, I'm just... You were very Rick Rubin. You were like, I'm going to trust the process here. Yeah. I've got two questions but I just feel like it's going to be a good hang. And that could have gone sideways. That was the first in-person celeb interview that I've done since 20. Well, I think Casey Ploys is... Oh, and Sam. That's right. My bad. But you know, like in front of camera kind of guy. Yeah. It was great. I hope people listen to it. I enjoyed it. (laughs) Uh, Thanks to Kaya. Thanks to our listeners. Thank you to the Academy. And thank you to Cordyceps. And the Davis family for their stewardship of the Raiders. Right? Oh, yeah. That's right. Good joke. Thanks. (laughs) I mean, B minus. See you Thursday. Thursday.